Bless God. So good to be with you this morning. Wow. You know, I was getting excited as I was uh, preparing this message this morning because I really feel like the Lord is, um, is calling us into a, a higher place, to, to, to a deeper level of knowing him. And uh, throughout the, the times and the seasons and the challenges we go through, um, you know, sometimes we're saying, like, God, what's going on? And I really feel like in those seasons, it's so important that we, we attune our hearts to the Lord, like, because he is, he's in control. He, nothing happens uh, in the earth realm that he doesn't know about. He says, you know, there's <clears throat> not a sparrow that falls from the, from the sky that he doesn't, he's not aware of. And um, he's, his purposes in the earth are to bring many sons and daughters to glory. I mean, he created us to enter into deep fellowship with him, a deep uh, relational connection. We're actually called to a place called union with God or the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're called to be the bride of Christ. Now, guys, don't freak out because you don't, with carnal thinking, if you start <laughs> thinking in the natural realm, it gets weird. But we're t we're, we need spiritual eyes, spiritual understanding, you know, that we compare spiritual things to spiritual things and not be tripped up with the natural mind. But when you understand that the creator of the universe, who himself is love, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in this communion of love, just deferring to one another, honoring one another, loving one another. It's just this, this, this trinity that existed in love. Out of that place of love where was, you know, had this creative idea. Said, Let's create man in our image. Invite him into this beauty that we have. And, uh, and here we are. And so we're here today. Because God has separated you unto himself. God had a plan. You know, sometimes we think that we turn to God. No one comes to the Lord unless he draws them. Now, I personally believe he's drawing all men unto himself. And, you know, there's this, it, there's this tension between free will and, and predestination. And, and, you know, there's... You can get into the theology and the debates about it. I don't find them edifying. I just know that he drew me and I responded by his grace because no one comes to the Lord except he draws them in and he gives them grace. I do believe he extends grace to everyone. That's my opinion because he doesn't desire anyone uh, <clears throat> to perish, but that all men would come to the knowledge of the truth. But we do have that tension of free will that not all will surrender. Not all will come to that place. So here we are, and we've been talking the last several weeks about, um, you know, I, a few weeks ago I spoke about uh, overcoming offense, and Colt shared the last two weeks about um, worldviews and how, uh, you know, there's a seductive spirit that tries to draw us into a, a humanistic worldview, which makes man the center of all things. And we can, you know, man 
you know, when we come together and we're in agreement and we do all this, we can just make great things happen. But it's, it, it takes God out of the equation. And we know <clears throat> that God has to be the center of it. We, can, you know, you, we can't do anything apart from Christ. He's the vine where the branch is. You know, apart from him, we can do nothing. You know, and you wonder why in the book of Genesis when, you know, after the, the flood happened, you know, and men began to multiply again on the earth, and then they decided, let's, let's build a tower of Babel so that that can't ever happen again. And, uh, and then the Lord comes down and sees that because they were in agreement, it says, you know, nothing will be restrained from them, so we confuse their languages. Sometimes now people will read that with a natural mindset and said, like, what, was God afraid of something? But if you saw your children playing with matches... Would you say, you know, would you take them away or would you, you know, or, or just let them, just let them be, let them express themselves? <laughs> I mean, those are, those are thoughts that people have. And, but it's God's goodness because he knew that this humanistic mindset is going to lead to what? Death and destruction, you know. And, and so God in his goodness doesn't let us go down paths of destruction just like Parents here in this room, those of you who aren't parents, maybe your parents, they wouldn't let you play with matches. And they didn't give you a long lecture on why not to, and you know, or maybe they did, but it didn't matter. They weren't going to let you play with them um, because you could get hurt. And so we have a, we, our God is good all the time. He is goodness. He is love. And everything he does is motivated out of love and purpose. Because he wants relationship. This morning I want to talk about, and I, I feel like we're building on these messages about not, not allowing offense to trip us up, especially in crazy seasons like we've been in, and there's such division and, you know, and, and issues. Uh, and I do think, you know, we have to understand our worldview. Like, we start where, with God. In the beginning... God. That's the, that's the first four, four words of the Bible. In the beginning, God. And that's where we start because everything starts with him. It ends with him. So we have to center ourselves in that reality. I want to talk to you this morning about being students of the kingdom of God. I think sometimes we, uh, some people pride themselves of being students of life. Like I've lived and observed and you know, and they, they form a philosophy. And uh, it's not always in alignment with kingdom values. And I, and I really do think that we need to start to renew our minds to understand and, and say, God, I need to understand the kingdom of God. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. I want to start by reading verses 51 to 52, and then maybe we'll go back uh, into to the other, the beginning of chapter 13. But Matthew 13, verse 51, so Jesus said to them, let me just give you a little setup. Jesus has just gone through a whole series of parables. And he, and he spoke to people in parables because they were pictures, they were stories that gave an illustration of what the kingdom of heaven was like. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, they're kind of interchangeable. 
Um, but he was giving them stories of the kingdom, to, 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 so illustrations to help them see and understand. But they required you to delve into them, study them a little bit more, because sometimes things weren't apparent. But so in, in Matthew 13, beginning of verse 51, Jesus says to them, have you understood all these things, the parables that he just spoke to them? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he said to them, therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. What, a scribe was a member of the learned or educated class. Uh, in ancient Israel and right in, you know, into the New Testament times, they would study scripture. They would serve as copyists. They actually you know, kept writing the scriptures, editors, teachers, and jurists. They were the ones who would teach on the scriptures. They would meditate. They would stay in the scriptures. And he says, every scribe um, instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who knows how to bring out of his treasure things new and things old. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to be students of the word and students of the kingdom of God. God, I want to understand what it means to follow you. Like we've all given our life to Jesus, most of us here, I think. If not, we'll have a time at the end. You can do that. Um, but so now we have to become his disciples or students. We, we're following him. And I think now more than it's true, it was true always, but I just feel like there's an urgency of the times, um, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's division and strife and tensions, fill in the blank. Uh, we need to understand, God, I know you're in control, and I want to operate as a student of the kingdom. I want to follow kingdom principles. I don't want to react out of the philosophies of men or other worldviews, but I, I want to be a follower of you. And so we need to study that. So turn with me to, let's just look at some of the parables in, in Matthew 13. We'll go to the beginning. Beginning of verse 1, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat down by the sea and great multitudes were gathered together. So we got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then he spoke these things to, him, to them in parables saying, behold, a sower went out. And I don't want to read all of the parables, but he sowed seed. Some fell on good ground, some fell on the pathway, some were on thorny ground, you know, <clears throat> and then different things happened. And he's, and he's given an example of what happens 
when you speak the word of God. Some people, it falls on the pathway, and right away the birds of the air come and they steal it away. And he, he describes how, <clears throat> you know, that's like when you speak the word of God to somebody, and then right away the enemy comes and steals it because, you know, he just questions it like in the Garden of Eden, did God really say that? And, and, and on and on. But some will fall on good ground and take root and bear fruit. You know, and so we've seen that. People have studied this parable and, you know, we, we understand those things. But so, so that's an example of the things of the kingdom. Let's keep going down. And so Jesus explained the parable of the sower. Then he also explained the parable of the wheat and the tares. That actually uh, the kingdom of heaven is like. I think whenever we see this, I'm in verse 24. Whenever you see this statement, the kingdom of heaven is like, you should highlight it. Turn on the highlight feature in your version Bible and just highlight that, okay? Or if you still have a paper Bible, you can take out your yellow highlighter. The kingdom of heaven is like, because this is where we need to be students of. Whenever Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, we have to, we have to sit up and say, okay, God, this is how heaven operates. I want, I want that. You know, when we pray, we say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. So what, what are we praying? What are we praying? And when we see this, like, don't assume you know. Like, I think a lot of us say, yo, everything's great. God is good. It's just, but this philosophies, whether it's humanism or other things of this world that influence the way we think and operate, and we have to start to renew our minds and say, God, I want to understand what is the kingdom of heaven like? So whenever he says the kingdom of heaven is like, stop there and say, all right. I need to pay attention. It's like a man who sowed good seed in the field, and while men slept, his enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat. But when the grain had sprouted up and produced the crop, the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in the field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, and said to them An enemy has done this. So the servant said, do you want us to just go in and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat. How many of us in life were at one point might have been classified as a tear? You didn't, you couldn't, there was a point in my life you wouldn't have recognized me as a Christian. But God had a different plan. And so the wheat and the tares are growing up together, and you, sometimes you can't tell who they are. So he says, let them grow up, and when they come to fullness, then there'll be a distinction. Let them grow together, and then they'll gather them together, and then the tares are going to be burned up, and the wheat will be brought into the barn. That's the kingdom of God. So we know that we're operating in a world where wheat and tare are growing together, but you don't know who they are. You might say... Oh, yes, I do. I know that one. Okay? You've just entered into the place of the judge. You just moved yourself out of grace. Don't be a pointer. Don't use. Don't point the finger. Don't enter into accusation. Say, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God, help them. So important, especially in the hour we live in, is so much accusation. 
There's one who accuses you and me before the throne of God day and night. It's called Satan or the accuser of the brethren. You don't want to be in agreement with him. We don't want to agree with him. How do we do that? He's called us to be people of mercy and grace. We're like, we have to always stand in the gap. And when we agree with the accuser, oof, you, you're agreeing with the devil. Like you, that's who, that you, You're choosing sides and you're on the wrong side. Let's not go there. So the, the wheat and the tare are going to grow together. Have mercy on them. You don't know. You and I don't know who's wheat and who's tare, even if at the time they look a lot like tare. <laughs> you don't know. Pray for them. Ask God for mercy. Okay. And then he goes on to say a, a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. What's a mustard seed? I think one time at a service we gave out mustard seeds. They're tiny. Most of you probably lost it after we gave it out because they're like, <laughs> they're just, they're like micro, they're, they're not microscopic, but they're really tiny. They're really tiny. Okay. But the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in a field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. It's so small. But when it's grown, it's greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Okay. When the kingdom of heaven was planted in my heart, it was small. You, I, you know, I, there was a change in my heart, but on the outward, people looked and just saw Bill. And it took some time for him to start recognizing, wait, something has changed with his life. And it would start to show. Today, and I'm not trying to point to us, but I want to use an illustration. Today, it's like 40 years later, here we are gathering together, worshiping God, sharing kingdom principles, loving the Father. Why? Because God put a seed in my heart, in Tammy's heart, Sal, Jewel, Colt, the other people in leadership. And it's, we responded. It's not that we were better or good, but it started to mature in us. And we started to seek God more and grow in his grace and knowledge. And so we started praying with small groups of people. We started having gatherings and Bible studies. And like along the way, God was creating something of a platform. Not because we're great, but because the seed of God, like a mustard seed, was planted in us and began to mature. And so today, we gather together and you're like nesting in something that God planted 35, 40 years ago. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not that we're, we, it's God. It's just God. He does it with a lot of people. But it starts to mature, and then others can come and start to eat of it. And, uh, and that's what you're doing here today. So, like, we need to understand these things. The seed of God is working in you. And he wants to bring forth things that others can eat of take refuge, find, you know, this mustard seed becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Others come and they find refuge. That's what God is doing in your life. And then it, he talks about, and, and we should study these out. It's the parable of the leaven in the, in the bread, and it goes through, through all of it and on and on. 
And then the disciples ask him, you know, to explain the parables. Um, and there's the parable of the hidden treasure, which we talked about, well, I mentioned when we were closing our worship. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells everything to buy the field. Verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who then, when he had found one, a pearl of great price, went and sold it. <coughs> When and sold all that he had and bought it. And on and on. And there's more parables here. And I just think it's time that we become students of the kingdom of heaven. You need to begin to apply this. I want to operate in kingdom principles. Jesus came preaching, you know, repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Like everything's going to change. And I need to understand you, how you operate. Your principles. Amen. So, okay. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Before we do that, can we, can we tee up a video? We're talking about philosophies. And Jesus talked about how we need to conduct our lives according to the kingdom principles. But we get discipled by other other things constantly, and I just, I wanted to play a video because this is a story of someone who's trying to learn how to do something. If we can roll it. Do you really want to get them? You see what I'm saying? What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Ness, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago. That's the Chicago way. We're not choosing that way. But, you know, whether it's entertainment, you know, uh, movies, that was from The Untouchables, Sean Connery, Kevin Costner, uh, you know, Elliot Ness, the, the G-Man trying to take down Al Capone and Sean Connery, the, the streetwise beat cop telling him, listen, you can't just operate under the law. You got, you got to do it the Chicago way. But turn with me to, to Matthew 5 because Jesus gives Sean Connery, in, as uh, the, the beat cop, the streetwise cop, is telling Elliot Ness, or you know, Kevin Costner as Elliot Ness, what to do if he really wants to get Al Capone. And he's saying, you can't operate like everything's hunky-dory. And, uh, you know, you got, you got to be ruthless. And Jesus enters in the scene and he says, like, you got to throw out, the way you think is, like, backwards. Let me tell you how we have to operate. And these statements of Jesus, this is, this is from the Sermon on the Mount. This is the greatest sermon ever given. You know, really, I wish we had this on YouTube from the day. Um, <laughs> this is the greatest sermon ever written, and it's so challenging. 
but are we going to be students of the kingdom or are we going to be students of the Chicago way or whatever it is? I mean, because, the, you know, like you laugh, but back in the day when I saw that, I was like, yeah. And, and, and inadvertently, because, like, it's entertaining, like, we kind of agree with this stuff. And we're not horrified. And, you know, I get it. It is just entertainment and you go on. But, but this stuff is, like, this is what's constantly being fed to us in culture. And, and, and you're being schooled in culture, you know, by the, the news you watch, you know, the social media, I mean, there's things out, the social dilemma and how they influence everything you do and uh, what, and we're constantly coming under influences and we need now more than ever to be students of the kingdom because this is what we have to say yes to. This is what you're signing up to. You know, it's like when Jesus is a free gift, we can freely receive him, for, you know, but then it costs you everything. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's free to get in, but now it's everything. You got to lay it all down. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. So Jesus said, you heard about the Chicago way. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him also the left. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your coat, let him have your shirt also. So he takes your coat saying, wait a second, I have this shirt I bought to go with the coat. You might want that too. <clears throat> Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. You ever heard the saying, you need to go the extra mile? This is where it comes from. Someone compels you to go one, go with them too. Let's keep going. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say to you, love your enemies. This was radical. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you, who use your goodness and generosity just without good intent. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Why? So that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Come on now. Is this where we want to be? Maybe some of you are having second thoughts. <laughs> Listen, it costs you everything. This, this living sacrifice stuff is painful. It's free to get in, but it costs you everything. Okay. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That, why? So that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good. Do you ever notice that when the sun comes up, it just doesn't come up on you? 
and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors. Anyone work for the IRS here? <laughs> we love you. <laughs> Don't even tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Or the word perfect here means come to maturity. Like that mustard seed that looks really small, but when it comes to maturity, <clears throat> it can provide shelter to others. Anyway, so this is what we're called to. We need to be students of the kingdom of heaven. And we need to study this stuff out and, and not be offended by it. Like, like some people can be like, I can't forgive. You want me to forgive that guy? That means I'm just going to let him get away with it. Never. And I've had, the, I've had these exact conversations with people who are Christ followers. Because we don't, we, we have to understand a larger picture. There's a bigger narrative than your, you know, little social zone of life. God is doing something, and we always have to say, God, I need to have your understanding. I need to understand, I need to see from your perspective, because he's doing something greater. And in the process of this, you know, offenses come. The Bible says that great peace have those who love God's law, and nothing shall offend them. But often, we have to guard our hearts against offenses. And, and it, it, it can be in little things, big things, but you have to be aware that it's always the bait of Satan to trip you up and, uh, and, and to not be offended. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. You don't want any root of bitterness. Offense is a root of bitterness. When we're offended and we don't freely forgive or just say, God, forgive them and ask, you know, they don't know what they're doing. Don't ascribe knowledge that you don't have and enter into judgment. Just say, God, I don't understand, but I forgive. I trust you to be, you're the righteous judge. <clears throat> okay, turn with me to Matthew 18. I want to read from the Passion. I don't like to call it the translation. I like to refer to it as the Passion paraphrase. It trips up some people that understand that it didn't have whatever. But so anyway, but it's still it's still an under it's still a paraphrase that helps to give us an understanding. So that's why I, I read it along with the New King James Version, etc. Okay, okay. beginning of verse 1. <clears throat> At the time the disciples came to ask Jesus, who is considered greatest in the kingdom realm? Now Jesus called a little one to his side and said to them, learn this well. 
unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with wide-eyed wonder of a child, you'll never be able to enter in. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking. This is about worldviews. This is about philosophies. This is about, do I follow the Chicago way? <laughs> you know, pulls a knife, I pull a gun. Puts one of yours in the hospital, you put one of his in the morgue. I mean, that's the world's way. Unless you dramatically change the way you think about things, your philosophy of life, and you become teachable. What's the title of my message today? Students of the kingdom of God. Student is one who comes to learn. We need to be teachable. I'm preaching to myself. I want to be a student of God's kingdom. I want to be teachable. I want to learn. And that requires you to empty yourself of everything that you think you know. Like a child with wide-eyed wonder, encountering, like you're encountering something for the first time and not bringing some of our broken experiences. Look, we've all had experiences and we've responded in out of our philosophies of life and hurts and bitterness and we've held on to things, it's time that we let all of that go. Change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child. And you, if you don't, you will never be able to enter in. Whoever continually humbles himself to become like this Gentle child is greatest in heaven's kingdom realm. Now, everybody highlight the word continually humbles himself. Turn on your highlight feature. There you go. All right. It's not, humbling ourselves is not a one-time thing. It's a, it's a posture of God, you know more than me. God, help me to follow you. God, I acknowledge you in everything I do. Direct my path. I, continually humbles himself and becomes like this gentle child, greatest. It's okay to want to be great. Jesus, all, the, all, the people, all of the ones he chose wanted to be the greatest. You know, who is the greatest? We want to be great. It's okay. I'll show you. It's the child. So we have to be willing to continually humble ourselves. And if you tenderly care for the, uh, this little one on my behalf, you tenderly care for me. You know, it's... It's, it's caring for the least. It's the cup of cold water. You know, what did Jesus say in Matthew 25 um, <clears throat> when, you know, they were, he, he, he shut some out of the kingdom and let some in? He says, well, you know, he says, when I was hungry, you didn't help, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. And they're like, when? When did that happen? And it says, when you've done it to the least of these so we're called to demonstrate our love for God by how we treat others. You know, listen, we're to love those in the kingdom, but also love those outside the kingdom. You are called to, to, to lay, like when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, you know, if someone compels you to go a mile, go two. It's like just demonstrating the love of God because that's how he is. 
and when we move in that, you know, the, you know, if we as the, the body of Christ move in that, then we will be truly demonstrating kingdom. If any of you, any, verse 5, any of you tenderly care for this little one on my behalf, you, you are tenderly caring for me. But if anyone abuses one of these little ones who believes in me, look, it would be better for him to have a heavy boulder tied around his neck and hurled into the deepest sea than to face the punishment he deserves. Wow. Okay. That's the least. That's the little child. This, this little one. It's so important. You know, we demonstrate our love for God by how we treat others. Misery will come to the one who lures people away into sin. Trouble and obstacles to your faith are inevitable. But great devastation will come to the one guilty of causing others to leave the path of righteousness. If your hand clings to sin, cut it off, throw it away. If your foot continually steps into sin's path, Cut it off. Throw it away. It's better for you to enter into heaven crippled and maimed than to have both hands and feet and be thrown into eternal fire. We're to make no provision for the flesh. This is not literal, but it's an understanding of, you know, some things have to be cut off if they're causing us to fall into sin. I want to switch back, staying in Matthew 18, but I want to go into the New King James Version. Um, beginning of verse 10. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that heaven, that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in, who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. So... It's, it's just so important, again, how we, how we treat others because everyone has angels assigned to them. <laughs> Standing in front of the face of God. Like you, nothing that we do, it, it's all in heaven. It's all written down in a book. You know, it's, thank God for his mercy. You know, it, it, just thank God for his mercy that he washes our sin away and he makes us as white as snow. Uh, but he does want, he's calling us to now come into maturity. <clears throat> so what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he, does he not leave the 99 and go after the one? And if he should find it, and he said he rejoices over it, over the lost sheep that he found, more than over the 99, even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these should perish. Let's look at verse 15. We're trying to... We're, I want, we're trying to understand kingdom principles. So as you read, now we're reading, we're staying in the Gospels, we're reading the red. I think there was some, some years ago to someone, let's just read, the, just read the red in the Bible. That's everything that Jesus said. And um, we need to read the whole Bible. But I think it's important that we pay attention to what Jesus said. <laughs> it's, it's, he's God. Okay. Now, Jesus is talking to me about personal relationships. Moreover, if, you, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him in front of everybody. What, your Bible doesn't say that? Go to him alone. Why, why 
should you just quietly go to him alone? Brother, sister, this is, I think it's a gender neutral scripture. Don't be offended that it says him. <laughs> go to him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Now, I have had people come to me and, and tell me, it, it, it doesn't always go well. Uh, you know, what you said really bothered me. Um, and I will examine myself and have, enter into a conversation. Sometimes, sometimes people come to you and something you said offended them and it's, uh, you really had no ill intent, you didn't say anything wrong, and, and some, some, some people are working through their own processes, like they, get, they can get weird on you. <laughs> no, I'm just being serious, but, but, but this is how you, 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 you're supposed to work through it. So you, you talk about it, you try to restore a relationship, because the Bible's all about relationship. Okay, if he hears you, you've won your brother, but look, what happens? But if he will not hear you, like, Get a couple more people now and say, uh, you know, I was up on uh, Maiden Lane the other day and Pastor Bill walked right by me, never said hello. I was completely offended. I went to him and told him about it, but he didn't take ownership. He said, I didn't, he claimed he didn't see me. <laughs> Let's get real. I'm bringing it in front of you guys. I want you to help me work through this. <laughs> Do we go to Chicago way? <laughs> the point is, is like you're supposed to help people work through some of their own issues. Like, come on. This happens to people all the time. They, well, he just was preoccupied. He didn't see you. There was nothing personal. And you help someone work through it, but they're, maybe they're oversensitive. So not because you have ought against something, they've actually done something wrong. And getting a couple of people isn't like, I'm going to get these two people, we're going to prove you wrong. <laughs> like, it's not getting allies. This is about how to, this is a thing about how do we restore relationship. This scripture is all about how do we get back into relationship. Because something happened and it, it really, you know, it, it felt weird on me, felt wrong. And I, I've talked to you, but you're not owning it. You never said hello to me. And, uh, you know, so I'm getting a couple other people. But when you get the other people, is it to prove a point or is it to restore relationship? The point, it, you're trying to restore relationship and you're asking a couple people to help you discern through it. And you may not be right. So when you tell them he did this, they're like, you know, I, I think he really loves you, but, I, you know, I, I think you're overreacting. Or maybe they're just not owning it. Maybe they really, you know, when you slap my face in anger, that was not nice. <laughs> you won't apologize for it, and, you know, and someone's got to tell you, you know, you shouldn't have slapped them in the face. <laughs> like, what was with that? You know, when you spoke those horrible words, that came out of a bad place, you know. So you go with two or three people. But, again, you're trying to restore relationship because either way, you know, it's, the whole idea is to restore relationship. Now, if they won't hear you, it says, but if he will not hear you, take one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if, they, if he refuses to hear you, well, tell it to the whole church.
But if he refuses even to hear the church, then we'll treat him like the heathen or someone who works for the IRS. <laughs> that was a joke. Tax collectors in the day were, were known to be very um, corrupt and actually stealing money and putting it in their own pockets and other things. So it wasn't... Um, we love everyone who works for the IRS. You guys are amazing. We have a good relationship with the IRS. We're tax exempt. <laughs> so you go to the church. The, again, the purpose is to restore relationship. Now, how, if someone walked in who was a known unbeliever or someone who, uh, you know, was doing criminal acts or something, comes to church, how would we treat him? We'd be like, God, touch him. God, get him. Look, they're here. They're, they're in their presence. There's worship. Let me share the gospel with them. I hope they get saved. Why are they here? God must be drawing them, right? So when we treat them like a heath, it doesn't mean go treat them badly. <laughs> it's just understanding that they haven't come. Like, all of a sudden, this is revealing something. That if you come to the whole church and they're not acknowledging something that's obviously really couldn't hear from two or three people, and, and they won't hear from the whole church, stop praying for them. They need to get saved. That they come into the kingdom. We don't want any to perish. And if it's someone who is coming, and listen, people come into our community, they may be here for a while, and you think they know God, they're operating. But they, people come for different reasons sometimes. It just feels nice in this worship. I've had people like they you know i've preached the sermon was saying i love this place but i hate every word he just said that happened to us at seven at, when we were at uh over on chamber street somebody came in and said i love the worship here this is amazing but i disagree with everything he preached about <laughs> that literally happened so i mean people are in different places <clears throat> so, so what did you do tammy hugged them says come here let me give you a hug And then they couldn't stop crying. I started crying. <laughs> People need love. They need someone to, to hear them. You know, because we're on a journey. You know, you're on a journey. We're all broken. And sometimes people even don't even know what they're saying or what they believe. They're, they're confused. And sometimes you just need to hold them and say, I got you. It's okay. God loves you. And, let, and God will reveal himself and bring many sons and daughters to glory. But that, this is about restoring relationship. It's not about too many people read this thing about proving. Oh, he didn't hear me, but I'm getting my two or three people, my peeps, and we're going to go talk to them. <laughs> Settle this thing. And if they don't hear me, I'm going to make a spectacle in front of the church. That's not what it's about. Yeah, some of you may have come from churches that did that. It's Unfortunately, it's a misunderstanding of the scripture. It's not kingdom. God help them. They don't know what they're doing. We don't know what we're doing. God help us. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I, I could keep going, but it's kind of... I think you're getting my point. 
Um, we have committed our lives to Christ. That was just the first step. You know, we have to, now we're in this place of surrendering all. And, and, and like, you know, the beginning of uh, chapter 18, it, it's so important we become like a little child, continually humbling ourselves and being teachable. We need to be students of the kingdom. Now, we're living in a time when there's so much out there, you're constantly invited to take up an offense. You know, whether you're one political persuasion or a different political persuasion, whether you're, you know, very conservative, very liberal, or right in the middle, or it, it doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, ethnicity against ethnicity and historical injustices. And listen, we need to do the right thing always, and we need to... Uh, Pray for our leadership, those in positions of authority, and pray that they, they, you know, legislate righteously and they pass, you know, laws and decrees righteously and that people are, are treated equally. So we're all about that, you know. <laughs> That's, we're all about that. But there's not going to be salvation in that. There, there really is not going to be drawing near to God, like, the disciples asked Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? You know, Peter was carrying around a sword with them. And so when they came to arrest Jesus, he pulled out the sword and chopped the ear off the high priest because he's like, you know, let's rumble and do this thing. <laughs> we'll just take over and stop. And he's like, that's not where it's at. I'm coming to establish my kingdom in each of your hearts first. And he's and the wheat and the tear are growing up together because not all are going to receive him. But you and I, we don't know who are the wheat and the tear. And so we have to operate not in judgment, but in love toward all. We have to be like Abraham crying out for Sodom and Gomorrah. Said, when the Lord comes, I've heard the report about Sodom and Gomorrah. Hey, vey, me too. Let me tell you. No, he didn't do that. He said, he said, God, if there were 50 righteous, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? We need to be people of mercy always. Really, that's our call. Not judges, but God have mercy. God always have mercy. You may think you know how to judge rightly. He never said you should. Actually, you probably need to repent because his ways are higher than our ways. How do I know that? How many, when I just read the Sermon on the Mount, said, yeah, that's how I always operate. I'm always turning the other cheek, going the extra mile, giving my, my, my coat and my shirt. I'm, I'm still in process, but I, I want to be that guy because I want to be a child, a son of my Father in heaven. I want to be like him. The Bible says, that's how my father is. If you do that, you'll be like your father in heaven. I want to be like my father in heaven. Let's all stand.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, we acknowledge your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are far higher than our thoughts. But God, I thank you that you're calling us to come up higher. You said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. God, right now, we want to draw near to you in heart and soul and mind and spirit. God, we say we want your ways, not our ways. God, help us to be like the wide-eyed, wondering child that just so teachable, continually humbling himself or herself. We want to learn of you. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come and learn of me. He's meek and lowly. Let's learn his ways. Let's operate under as students of the kingdom. Let's respond as Jesus would. Let's really do that thing. What would Jesus do? And then do it. Father, I thank you that you're changing hearts and you're changing minds and you're causing us to change the way we think. Help us to align ourselves with you. We say your ways are better. Bless you guys out on Zoom. We're gonna, you can, you're going to be going into some Zoom rooms and talking about <clears throat> kingdom of God, being a student of the kingdom of God. Be blessed. In the room, let's just worship him right now. <laughs>